Hello, and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Michelle Friedman. And I'm Rachel Yehuda. From YCT Rabbinical School. And in each episode, we explore an aspect of psychology based on the Torah reading of the week. Today, we're talking about Parshat Vayechi, which is the last portion in the book of Genesis. And the theme we're going to talk about today is what is our legacy? What do we leave behind? What have we accomplished? Right, and how do we uh, frame this to ourselves uh, as we reflect on our lives? And I think that this Parsha actually begins the week before in the earlier Parsha. I think there's a wonderful exchange between Pharaoh and Jacob when Jacob comes to Egypt with his big group of 70 in his family and he is brought before Pharaoh and he might look pretty old because Pharaoh asks him, how many are the years and days of your life? Meaning, you look pretty old to me. <laughs> and Jacob answers Pharaoh in 47, 9, the years of my sojourn are 130. Few and hard have been the years of my life, nor do they come up to the lifespans of my father during their sojourns. I thought this was a remarkably interesting response um, on so many levels. I mean, when you really think about how Jacob's life began, he was the heir apparent, he got the blessing, things were supposed to work out really well for him. Um, in fact, he did have 12 children who were all living at the time of Actually his 13, if you can, death. Dina. Well, should we? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <we> right. <laughs> uh, probably even more than that, because right. we don't really know. But those were the 12 tribes. And in some way, he accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish. But in his own narrative, his own sense, he was a stranger in strange lands. He had bitter years. He reflected on his life, focusing on the bitter and what he lost. And when you look at the blessings that he bestows in Vayechi, they're very, very puzzling. In 48.13, Jacob blesses Joseph's children, and those blessings are more of the traditional kind that we're used to. He invokes the past, he refers to the patriarchs, but then later on, and this takes up the bulk of the Parsha, he speaks to his sons and gives, he speaks to each of them. It's actually kind of hard to call them blessings because they're so cryptic and they're highly critical. Well, some of them are. I think that he uses the opportunity of his last conversation with his children to really explain how he has felt all along, especially with his eldest son, Reuben, who he has obviously not forgiven him for sleeping with Bilha, the handmaiden. And as a result of that, he really interprets the actions of Reuven as unfit to really be the leader of the 12 tribes. And we see this um, throughout the book of Genesis. We see that Reuven does have some leadership flaws. For example, when the brothers go back to tell Jacob that they have to bring back Benjamin and Jacob doesn't want them to bring back Benjamin. He says, nope, I'm not going to be bereaved of Benjamin. What if he's not safe? And Reuben says, well, if I don't bring him back safely, you could 
kill my two children as if killing your grandchildren right, would it's gonna be, help anything. You can really be a good see solution. Right. Jacob comes down hard in these last words on violence and lawlessness, on chaos, on id energy that's out of control. Because after he gives it to Rubain, he then talks about sons number two and three, Simon and Levi, and he says you're a pair. Their weapons are tools of lawlessness. Yeah, but what I think is so interesting, I, th- I think he's trying to explain why the lineage of who becomes the king and who becomes the priests and who becomes the Messiah, I think he's trying to um, account for that. So Simon and Levi as a pair don't work, but we know that the tribe of Levi became the priests. So sometimes, you know, it's just a matter of who you're paired with and what your circumstances are. Well, that's certainly a great plug, Rachel, for nature and nurture. (laughs) Like we need to separate these two and then Levi can flourish. Right. And but, Simon has his own contributions. But clearly Judah emerges yes, absolutely. As, as the leader. And in the same episode where Reuben had a very impoverished suggestion about Benjamin's safety, right. Judah had a really great argument, which is we all die <laughs> or we all live. Right, we're going to make it together. Yes. We've got to yes. band together. Yes. There is a tradition in Judaism of uh, ethical wills that people write letters to their families and to their to their children trying to spell out the attributes, the values that they hope they have taught them and that they want to live on. But I'd actually like to dial this back a little bit to hopefully not at a deathbed moment, but earlier on, because I see, listen, as clinicians who are getting a bit older ourselves, we see older patients. And I feel like it's a great privilege, actually, to be in the consultation room with people in their 60s and 70s and 80s. I recently saw a man in his 80s who have been successful, who have been like the modern version of Jacob. They've done well in their careers. They have produced families. And it's now they're stepping down from whatever it was that occupied most of their time. Let's just say they're retiring in positions of strength and they're anxious and some of them are really depressed, wondering what is my next chapter? What is what is it about? That's really true. And I think that in those situations, we try to help people figure out how much control they actually have over exactly. the narrative and how much control people really have on how they view the same events in their lives. A prior success can mean future success, or a prior failure can still mean future success, but there's all sorts of opportunities of being able to reframe. I think to reframe what's happened and to think about what to do with the remaining years because we are in a time where we're not living quite the length of of our patriarchs into the hundreds, but we are in a time when people are living well into their 70s, 80s, and 90s. In many ways, our society just hasn't been prepared for this, and we need to think about how to make these years, possibly decades, meaningful and valuable to the people who are living them as well as to those around them. 
And I'm wondering if Jacob on his deathbed was influenced by the last 17 years of his life that he spent in Egypt. Absolutely. Uh, because the blessings that he gave or the reflections that he gave are very different than his forefathers. I think if you think about Jacob's life as being bracketed by a set of blessings that kind of got him and set him off on his journey, from which he literally had a run to escape for his safety, and the end of his life where it's his turn to give blessings, you really see that there is a very different attitude about blessings, about less destiny, more individuality. You are more what you make yourself to be. Things may not work out exactly as you think the divine has promised, and it's really up to you to take your skills. There's also a beautiful way he has of customizing each blessing for different children that really seem to reflect their own strengths and sometimes weaknesses. So the chapter closes with Jacob's death and how his sons, all his sons, bring him back to the land of Canaan and bury him in the ancestral grave, the cave of Machpelah. Jacob is buried back in the crypt, the, the burial site of his ancestors. But in contrast, Joseph is buried in the land of Egypt. Well, I think that's a really interesting observation. Jacob requests to be buried there. And so this is somebody that has journeyed away from home a lot and really commented on it even to Pharaoh that he's been a stranger in a strange land. But his identity is really is part of this ancestral chain. But Joseph really left when he was quite young. So legacy is so much tied into where you've come from, what your journey is, and where you see your identity residing. Yes, and with Joseph, you see, he became the second to Pharaoh, and he was able to have his dream of the brothers bowing down to him come true. But it wasn't going to stick in perpetuity. That actually belonged to other brothers. He had his, his episode where he was able to, in his lifetime, and maybe for his children accomplish something. But unless you go back to Israel and become part of the, uh, the chain of forefathers, it's a, it has a different kind of feeling to it. Right. So, and Joseph even took the custom of the Egyptians of embalming, which is not the Jewish way of burying, just because he was so culturally acclimated to How contemporary is people. this? You know, the book of Genesis closes with the struggle that we see every day in 2018. Well, the struggle of what are we going to do when our father dies? And who are we when we look at yes. our own mortality? Where have we come from? What have we done with our days? And what does it all mean? Thanks for listening to the Pastoral Parsha with Dr. Michelle Friedman and Dr. Rachel Yehuda. This podcast is brought to you by Shivat Chovevei Torah. To learn more, visit yctorah.org.